This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Yes, I'm back. Neil Durning here uh, with uh, Mark Kennedy and Nazarino Marchese. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to AM740 for the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, right here on uh, a beautiful Sunday morning. And just to remind everybody, that it is a call-in show. The numbers are 416-360-0740 and 866 866- 740-4740 for calling anywhere in Ontario. We have a number of special guests today. Sean Clement will be in later on in the show. But right off the top, we have a gentleman who is, uh, will be, I think, at the NAS, uh, top of the news at some point. Um, looking at unionizing junior hockey, we have Jerry Diaz on the phone. And we want to get to him right away. He's going to catch a plane. Uh, Jerry Diaz is in charge of Unifor. Uh, are you there, Jerry? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Jerry. Question, uh, what does Unifor stand for? Because until this week, I never knew this, but uh, if you can explain what Unifor stands for. Well, Unifor is a new union that was formed between the former Canadian Auto Workers Union and the former CEP. So Unifor really means union for everyone. It has a whole variety, unity forever. It has a whole... It has a whole bunch of meetings, uh, but bottom line is we really are a union that's uh, thinking outside of the box. We really are um, doing things differently, not just your typical unionization and manufacturing workplaces. We really are playing a much larger role in the overall debate uh, here in Canada. Okay, Jerry, uh, it's Neil here, and, and I'm just wondering right off the bat, um, why junior hockey? Uh, what, the, what, what, what made you go and approach that situation? I'm just going to call it a situation. Don't even know how to put this into words, really. Uh, we kind of kicked it around in the studio this morning to say, how do we approach this? You know, what's Jerry going to say? What's, how, is he, how, how are we going to deal with this? And we're just going to let you uh, explain to, to our listeners um, why you think this is, this is an important thing and it has to be done. Well, because this is truly an employer-employee relationship. I mean, you've got uh, hockey teams. They're running for profit. That's the way it should be. They run an organization, yet they don't play, pay their employees. Um, you, you take a look at the situation in Quebec. I'll start there. Yeah. Um, 16-year-olds get paid $35 a week. It goes up to about $100 a week for 19-year-olds. And then they reduce the pay of the 20-year-olds from 550 a week to 150 a week just unilaterally. Yeah. In Ontario, they don't get paid at all. It's a straight reimbursement plan. I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of 15-, 16-year-olds that go to school in the morning, uh, spend all afternoon at the rink, travel, buses, uh, have a pocket full of money that they can dish out money and no, then work absolutely, on a Jerry. reimbursement plan. Know all about it. I had a son play, play junior hockey here in Ontario, started play for the Wexford Raiders AAA. I uh, know the investment that parents have to make into it. And yep. Mark Kennedy's here with us. He brought up an, an interesting point regarding, you know, uh, Mark, you made a point this morning before we, you know, before we got on the air about, uh, you know, the investment 
investment that, that, that kids and parents make into hockey and, you know, bringing a kid from out of town where, you know, he has a yep. vision and a dream of becoming, you know, this phenomenal hockey player. And that could become shattered because of a bad move or, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying is like anything can happen. And uh, what are they left with? I mean, and why what, what, what is the union going to do to make that any better for a ch- for a kid? And, and you, you just nailed it. Yeah. Bottom well, I didn't. That's Mark here. One. He's like he's staring at me <laughs> thinking, hey, take a credit for his, you know, his input. So go ahead. Sorry, uh, it's, you know, young, these young people are just one bad turn, one twist, one hit into the boards, one severe injury away from, from losing their dream. Only a small percentage of players ever make it, and I think we all understand that. Totally. So the real question is, are people being t- taken advantage as they're chasing their dream? Yeah. So there's a couple key pieces. Number one is their education. It all has to be about the education. You can't have a situation where, depending on where you play, where you were raised, you might get $2,500 a year as a scholarship. Depending on elsewhere, you might get $7,500 a year. But the key piece is that there's restrictions, which means that the norm, a lot of people don't even get it, yeah. um, which is ridiculous. It's earned. It should be granted. And totally understood, to The player asked when he wants to take his scholarship money. Totally understood. Now, Naz has a question for you as well. Um, this was attempted, I think, in 2012 by a party. Um, have you picked up this attempt to unionize the uh, players? Uh, I'm a little bothered by the past, and it wasn't done properly. I think this is a good organization and a real powerful organization uniform. I think you have some, some bite to it. Uh, what were the attempts previously that you know? Well, the, the attempts were done by the CHLPA, and they, it was ran by the Gumleys. And the Gumleys had ran into some legal difficulties. So the problem two years ago is the focus was on the Gumleys. It wasn't on the players. Uh, this time around, obviously, we met with the Gumleys. They approached us to take it over because yeah. they, they, they believed this is very, very important, but knew they couldn't get it done. So they, we met with them. They passed it over to us. We're putting the organizing structure in place. It'll be, I would expect, different when the, when the dust settles because we're already a, a union that's in place. Um, but that's what the big difference is. Uh, there ought not to be any diversions. The only issue should be uh, how do we make things right for, for young men that are going to have a life after hockey. There were reports that uh, you met with Kathleen Wynn and Kevin Flynn. Kevin Flynn is the Ministry of Labor. Minister of Labor, and uh, Kathleen Wynne, of course, is our premier. Is, th- is that correct? Yeah, it is. Well, I didn't meet with Kevin. I spoke to Kevin, but I did meet with Kathleen. Um, I met with uh, some of the senior bureaucrats within her office. We talked about a variety of things, but, of course, junior hockey was the first issue. And so, no, obviously, I'm talking to them and pushing them um, to see if there's a way that we can put a task force in place to really analyze this so that you can have some senior people taking a look, making concrete recommendations, because the issue here isn't so much about unionizing them. The issue here is really about fixing the issue. And whatever means uh, that, uh, that it's going to require in order to accomplish that, that's what we're supporting. Are you finding uh, difficulty in... Um I, I'm sure you've talked to parents, but parents are not. Well, I don't think they'd be willing to come out and speak to you about or speak publicly about uh, this situation because they don't want their uh, kid blacklisted exactly. or blackballed. Yeah, correct. Definite question. Uh, have you spoken to parents? Yes, I've spoken to parents. I've spoken to agents. Um, I've spoken to former players. I've spoken to former NHL players. I've, I've spoken to. Let's just say this is generating a lot of interest, and 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 I'm I'm not getting any negative comments. Um, from any of the actual players, former players uh, that I've spoken to. Um, the parents lived it, exactly what you talked about. Subsidized, 
spent a lot of money with their you know, with their kids chasing their dreams, and at the end of the day, they ended up in a in a in an argument just trying to get their education scholarships that they were owned. So there's a lot of interest in this, but most important, we're having the debate, we're having the discussion. I mean, I am positive that Canadians, uh, as they listen to this debate, are absolutely shocked. Yeah, Jerry, uh, we just, uh, just to let our listeners know, we are talking to Jerry Diaz of Unifor, and the discussion this morning is about unionizing junior hockey. Mark, you had a question for Jerry as well? Yes, I, I'm on here as a soccer guy, so I don't know a lot about hockey, but is the background of, lying, ju- Jerry. Um, is the background of junior hockey in Canada the way it is now because uh, having a professional contract would close the door on NCAA scholarships that that would parents be concerned that if their their son was getting a big buck in Peterborough they wouldn't be able to go south of the border on an NCAA scholarship down the road no and here's what are the issues uh, they play one game they're denied access to the NCAA so it doesn't That's matter right. if they're making $35 a week or $3000 a week um, there has to be a, a the discussion really has to be with the NCAA because they're pro, prohibiting our kids uh, from going to the U.S. if there's any connection at all with our junior hockey. So it's not a question of entitlement. It's not a question of money. It's a question of restrictions. So it's also a question of people having to make decisions. If you can imagine when they're 16 years old as to what their life is going to look like. Uh, because do I want to get a scholarship in the United States? And if I do that, then I have to make decisions that are going to have lifelong impact at 15, 16. So there really has to be a brokering of a meeting with the NCAA, and there has to be some real involvement. I think that the government and others can play a good role in this. That, that's perfect, Jerry. Uh, listen, you know, again, we're, you know, when we talk unions, people are going to think right off the bat, I mean, who's management in this situation? And who, if, if, if there is going to be a battle, who are you going to be battling with? Is it the, is it the team owners? Uh, is it the parents? Uh, who are you up against? Uh, what, what, what walls would you, do you think you're going to hit? Well, there's no um, putting this together. Uh, the, the, the CHL and the owners yeah. um, are quite comfortable with the way things are, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, the only time changes are ever made is when they're forced to make the changes, when we have this type of a discussion. There is no question that coming out of this, I expect there will be some changes, including hopefully the education piece. But the parents, I mean, will see this, and they'll sit back quietly because you're right, they're not going to come out and be very vocal, but they will just see this as us trying to fix issues that need to be fixed. So is this like a benevolent thing that Unifor is doing, or is there some way to generate revenue? Is Unifor Unifor making any money off this? Are there dues to be paid? Quick question, have to ask it. Oh, I know, Don, I'm glad you're asking. I think it's important that that you you answer it as well, Jerry. No, no, and I'm getting it all over the place. I yeah. mean, people are asking, geez, what are you going to get out of this? You know what we're going to get out of this? Yeah. We're going to get satisfaction of doing the right thing. I mean, what do you charge a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid making $35 a week? Perfect. You don't, you don't charge them anything. What do you charge them, a dollar a month? No, exactly. Uh, I, I just think that, yeah. So, so that's what we'll probably do. We're working out the constitutional piece, but, of course, we're not going to put the cart before the horse. But at the end of the day, I can see us charging maybe like a dollar a month or something just so yeah. that there's an association. So there is no question. This is, this is not going to be an issue where Unifor is somehow going to be basking in, in, uh, in dues revenue. This is about doing what's right. This is about us as an organization saying, you know what, this is absolutely ridiculous. These are young people that are being exploited. I mean, here they're one of the popular political issues in Canada is the whole issue of unpaid interns. What's the difference? Yes. What is the difference? These kids are absolutely playing hockey in Ontario for free. And these are owners that are doing very well, thank you very much. The London Knights, these are businesses that are ran for profit. Yeah. So why do the employees get paid nothing? 
Yep. And we, again, just to let our listeners know, we're talking to Jerry Diaz, Unifor, uh, um, and he is looking to uh, unionize uh, junior hockey. Is it? Uh, and, and Nazarino has a question for you quickly. And uh, at that point, after that, we, we'll have to go to break. Jerry, will you be around after break when we come back? Well. I've got to get through security. Okay, so, let me let me put you over to Naz right away, through, yeah, and uh, we'll go from there. 10, so I've got I've got to Not get a I've got a steel hip from hockey, by the way. So I go off. There, there was go. there was a quote from Dave Branch, the president of the CHL, saying that see, there are sixty teams in uh, the CHL. Yeah. A third make money, a third break even, and a third lose money. I know for a fact London Knights, Kitchener Rangers, those teams make a pile of money. Uh, I'm not so sure about – Brampton just recently moved uh, 18 years of uh, bleeding uh, bleeding each year. They didn't make money at all. How is this going to affect the operations of some of the junior A teams across Canada? Well, I don't see how it does. First of all, there's uh, there's – Huge money revenues that can be used to make sure that these young men are taken care of. Junior hockey tournaments, Olympic junior hockey tournaments, under-18 hockey tournaments, there's tournaments that are generating tens of millions of dollars. They just signed an $80 million deal uh, with Rogers TV. So there is a pot of money that certainly can be used to make sure that these young people that generate the profits in the first place, thank you very much, are at least compensated when their career is over. There's no reason, regardless of financial situation, that that the, the Tim Bozons of the world, yep. a player that brought over from France, yes. can accrue hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills, and he didn't have the proper insurance in the first place. That's just wrong. There's got to be a situation for the Terry Traffords of the world that commit suicide after they're cut. They have nowhere, had nowhere to go. Yep. Absolutely nobody to speak to. So there's a, there's a lot of things that can be done, but I don't buy the argument somehow that the teams that are not profitable, therefore, should be the determining factor on how we're going to te- treat young people. Totally understood. Uh, we're talking to Jerry Diaz of Unifor. Last words, Jerry, before you go. Um, when do you expect to have this all rolled out? We've got to go to commercial. Uh, summarize it for us. When's this all going to take place? Well, we're working uh, really diligently at it right now. We're starting to talk to the players. Um, it, right now, during the summer, they get together. The players get together during summer hockey leagues. Uh, a lot of them are sponsored, for example, by Reebok and by Easton. Um, so we're talking to people. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of people who are afraid, obviously, because they're afraid that it might impact yep. them. Um, so we're hoping to get, uh, make some major inroads, obviously, before the season starts. And then you'd be in a legal position Absolutely really where the season starts because you would then have an established employer-employee relationship. Well, Jerry, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And uh, maybe we can get you back on a little later when the hockey season starts and see how things are working out. You're, if you're available for that, that would be fantastic. Again, yeah, thanks, I'll, Jerry Diaz, Unifor. For you. Thank you for your time. Not thanks, a problem. Jerry. We'll talk to you later. We'll go to commercial. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville sponsored the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We're giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st. Plus, one lucky winner will be courtside for the final match with four front row tickets. My half-brother Rayul won't go. He's been to court too many times already. Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. There's an old saying... Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Well, we're back. And again, to remind everybody that this is a call-in show, the numbers are... In Toronto, 416-360-0740. And if you're calling anywhere in Ontario, uh, 866-740-4740. Any last words on this Unifor situation before we move on to the greatest topic of the day, which is World Cup and the devastating loss by those <clears throat> poor Brazilians? Well, I um, think Unifor has a uh, shot of doing this. Uh, sounds like an organization that's pretty proactive. Uh, the previous people didn't stand a hope in hell, but... Um, they, this group may be able to push this through. What do you think, Mark? I mean, do you think there's any benefit to this thing in hockey? Is it going to make hockey better, or is it just going to make players a little bit more? I, I think the points that Jerry made were, were very good. Um, parents are going to be looking at this from a, a point of view of their 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 child's future and also a sort of fairness for for people in a workplace. Yeah, because you know what I mean. Like like I said, we were talking about it before the show started. You know, you got It's an expensive proposition putting your kid through junior hockey, especially and in, in, as you've been through it. Our boys mm-hmm. have been through it together. We know exactly what it's like when you get on the cusp of junior hockey. Um, there are kids who make that decision to either continue playing, you know, in the OHL or uh, provincial uh, hockey here in Ontario, or going and playing for one of the universities and getting an education. And I know that the OHL sometimes they promise you certain things, and they don't always come across. And I know there's been a lot of kids who have, who've had their dreams shattered and broken, and are left with you know three, four years playing for the Peterborough Peets or the Ottawa 67s. Uh, they, they, they put their education aside and they end up having to play catch-up for the rest of their lives. Um, any last thoughts? We want to move on to World Cup. We have, uh, well, we have a Rogers Cup prize package well, courtesy of Pizzaville to give away here. True enough, and, yes. Uh, it's two premium series bronze seats to a session during the Rogers Cup tournament. 
at the Rexall Center at York University. One complimentary reserve parking pass and a $25 Pizzaville gift card, value $250. Tenth caller at, the number is Neil? 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We'll take the tenth caller on that. Listen, this is an incredible gift package. And again, what's the value on that, Naz? $250. $2 value. million dollars that's worth, right? And uh, I think that the tenth, well, we'll take the ten millionth caller. Well, the tenth caller gets that prize, and uh, and uh, that that yeah, it'll be phenomenal. Anyways, uh, let's turn over to uh, we have Mark Kennedy here again. Mark Kennedy is a uh, is our local soccer expert, uh, Toronto Football Club, huge fan, every game since the beginning of time. Awesome blogger. And uh, we're really lucky to have him on the show. Uh, Mark, take us back. I mean, since the last show, uh, a lot has happened in World Cup, and uh, somebody crapped the bed, and <laughs> for lack of a, of a better expression, um, what happened between uh, Germany and Brazil? Like, that kicks off this World Cup. Well, I have to start off by saying, Neil, it's very, very I'm very happy to see your face because if I was seeing Wally's face, he would be <laughs> reminding me that I had picked a Brazil-Belgium final weeks ago, and he had said quietly, I think Argentina. And oh, the, my goodness, yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, he is certainly in the lead when it comes to looking ahead into the future. Yeah. The Brazil-Germany game, I think, is going to go down in history it's easy now in hindsight to start saying uh, a variety of things. Perhaps the injury to Neymar had broken the spirit of the team. The weakness in the Brazilian midfield, certainly the Germans had anticipated how to break through that midfield and to attack the, the poor old Julio Cesar in waves. It was also a question of, of coaching. Uh, big, yep. big Phil... Um, didn't seem to have a plan B. Um, and then when you're coaching Brazil in Brazil, yeah. a plan B would have been nice. Yeah, it's interesting because, you, you know, we basically talked about it uh, again before the show. And, and, and you brought up the point that Brazil just seemed to have like, you know what, let's just forget about this one. I mean, how can you do that? How does that happen in professional, well, that professional sport in this situation, but at this professional sport, how does that happen? I mean, come on. I mean, again, seven goals against one of the team what were they they were ranked number two number three um what's what's the chances of that happening um and is germany really that good i mean i think that's what the, you know that begs the question is germany that good we'll find out later today won't we they were ranked number one brazil in the tournament but they shouldn't have been uh like I said, if that if that World Cup was played somewhere else other than Brazil, they wouldn't have been the favorites. As a matter of fact, they'd probably be fourth or fifth choice yeah. in the uh, in the sw in the scheme of things. Yeah, Germany uh, probably the most efficient team uh, out of all of them. Mark, do, do you think that? I I agree, and also very well coached. You you watch that team for for slight changes that always seem to work out and the substitutes that they make yes. um you know the the germans looked as if they were um taking their foot off the pedal in the second half and then they put on um i believe it's sure came on and scored two more goals if if brazil had had someone coming off the bench the way germany had someone coming off the bench it would have been perhaps a more interesting game to see a comeback but 
Wally, uh, by the way, picked the final. He picked uh, Germany and uh, Argentina in no, the final. He did. I don't. I, need to I hear heard that. it this morning. I don't need to hear that. Yes, yes. When he comes back, he's on holidays in Portugal and Spain for the next two. Yeah, years. you know why too? Because I mean, honestly, he probably figured that he's going to be there. It's going to be at least Spain or Portugal in the final. It's going to be like a party central over there. And obviously, it's like you know what, Wally, if you're listening, <laughs> which you might be, um, I picked Germany. I go on record, and I didn't pick. Belgium. <laughs> I didn't pick Brazil either. Um, let's talk about the other game that happened uh, between Argentina and the Netherlands, which I thought was an incredible snorer. And uh, I mean, let's go back through history. And certainly, Mark, you can you can touch off on a number of things regarding the Dutch and the fact that they're it's always a bridesmaid and never a bride with this team. I mean, the Orange uh, are, are they put together a phenomenally efficient. Um, they play in a final between Germany that would have been, I think, a, a, an incredible, you know, uh, test of, 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 of uh, efficient. So I hate the word efficient when we're talking about this, but I mean, it would have been. You, you describe it, you know, how, how that game came and went, and nobody cared. Well, no, I, before we talk about the recent game, there, there is a, a tragedy in, in the history of soccer, and I love the history of soccer. In the 70s, the, the Dutch invented total football. It used to be that you'd have um, certain players would play certain styles depending on where they were on yep. the field. So if you were six foot six, you were a center forward, and we'd put you there, and it didn't matter if you were stationary, that's your position. And the Dutch invented total football, which said, you're all athletes, you're all capable. And the superstar of total football was the Dutch masterpiece Johan Cruyff and Johan yep. Cruyff was playing for Barcelona and he decided not to participate in the 1978 World Cup in Argentina and it came down to an Argentina Dutch final Argentina won it but the question has always been if Cruyff had played in that final would there have been a different result? What was the final score of that game? Just oh, <laughs> I believe it was a close one. Um, Mario Kempes scored the winning goal. I think it might have been two to one. I think it was. So a, it was it, that it, close. It, it, it close. So was and game. Cruyff had actually. It was his wife who said, "You can't go to the World Cup because they had been invaded in Spain and kidnapped oh. and and threatened and." They were traumatized by it, and therefore his wife said, your family comes first. We've got to get over this horrible situation. You're not going off to Argentina. Mark, has Argentina lost a game yet or uh, tied a game yet? I think they have the same record as Germany in this. Uh, yes, yes. So, so they both have tied. They haven't gone uh, – uh, when they haven't won every game. No, they have the same record. Uh, and the surprise about Argentina in this World Cup has been how few goals they've allowed against, yes. um, which has been not their pattern. Um, but to this week's game, the, the, the Dutch-Argentina game, I, I had said when it, when it went to, to penalty kicks, someone from FIFA should have come out and said, you've played such a boring stalemate <laughs> game, neither of you yeah. can now proceed on to the next level. Yeah. And then let's bring back Algeria. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I like that. Bring that's back cool. Italy. Exactly. No, <laughs> I had to throw England. that one in, right? No, let's, bring, let's you know, talk about the whole thing. And, uh, and I brought this up before, and I chatted to Mark uh, about the, the comparison, a relative comparison between uh, UFA and World Cup 
And and where you know uh, is World Cup losing its luster? Is this is this particular World Cup going to is it going to affect uh, people's perception of World Cup? I mean, not you know let, let's be let's be honest. I mean, there's not going to change uh, the number of people. Like I, again, I t- used to take my holidays to watch World Cup. Um, I think that that is going to be one of the worldwide. The viewership, the the audience is not going to change, uh, but I'm thinking how people uh, people look at it, view it. Um, European Cup, uh, you're, you know, uh, I think that you know there, there's more to beating France than there is to beating Cameroon. There's more to you know what I mean. Uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. Now, just for discussion purposes, and I, I, I've approached that with you, Mark and Naz, and uh, what do you take on that? It'll be interesting. The next World Cup is in Russia. And the political situation seems to be putting storm clouds over top of the relationship between Russia and the West. So it is very possible for that to to not be a public relations dream. Yeah. We just went through the Sochi Olympics in which there was a lot of strong-arm tactics to get um, a, a, a city built and a lot of um, questions as to why those things were done. If that is the angle of the Western world looking at the next World Cup, yes, it, it, it could be diminished. Yeah. On, on an angle on competitiveness, though, the, the soccer uh, uh, teams now are pretty close to each other. It's really changed. Like the European Cup, I don't think the final four and any of the final four reached reached it. Uh, Spain, uh, Italy... England was in there in the final four. None of those teams made it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Is like to my point. I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm looking at it from the standpoint, and like you know, Mark, you are the expert, and we can only come up with our opinions. I and mean, again, we have these discussions, but like, how serious are the players taking World Cup these days? I mean, when we get situations where there's this incredible anticipation, and you know, everybody throws their chest out. We have the Italian fans who we're going to go all the way. People like a slam dunk to pick Spain. Um, the English fans love their team and are constantly let down by them when it comes to the World Cup. And, it, you know, and it is this, it is this, you know, it's like winning the Academy Award um, in soccer. Um, but again, at the same time, I'm watching, you know, the UFA and I'm finding it to be just a little bit more interesting and a little bit more intense. Than, than World Cup soccer lately. I mean, and lately it's hard to say because of these big gaps between tournaments, but, you know. I'm with Naz on, the, on this concept of a global rise in, in so many regions outside of, of Europe, um, Asia, yeah. Africa. And you have to remember that the European situation is such that if you are a Costa Rican player and you want to play for a European yeah, team, you have to show that you have a background, including playing for your national team, in order for you to get a visa to go and play for a European te- side. So it the World Cup will be important. Europe can't ignore the rest of the world. In fact, Europe loves to sign the best of Africa and the best of Asia and, and the best of, of Central and South America. And the World Cup will always be the showcase. It'll be interesting in the weeks ahead when the World Cup is finished and the summer transfer window is when people have used their, the reputation that they've just made and Costa Rica comes to mind. Those young players who might have had a small European team yep. will suddenly find themselves in demand and moving up. In the World Cup, Suarez with the incident, right? 
we go back to the biting incident, and, I, <laughs> and uh, we we all laugh about it now because it is pretty I'm funny. Still right? about it's it pretty now. funny. <laughs> but how does it affect his uh, um, contract with Liverpool? Where do you think that's going to go? He's already been sold by Liverpool to Barcelona. Uh, I believe, I'm not sure if it's 80 million euros or 80 million pounds, but he's already been sold on by Liverpool. I think Liverpool was smart enough to realize that his infamy was too much for them to be able to deal with anymore. They they had held his hand for a year or two. And I think Barcelona is facing some um, sanctions and are not allowed to make as many transfer bids as they once did. So Suarez might have been uh, an exception that they were allowed to to take a player on. Um, It's going to be odd to see how Suarez works out. My argument about Suarez is he isn't just a biting cheater. He is... A, a talent, but he is uh, constantly on the edge in every game. Yeah. He will tumble, look to the ref to see how the ref has read that tumble. And if the ref looks concerned, suddenly that tumble will turn into Major. intensive care. Sure. And if the ref is ignoring him, it's a, it's a miracle recovery. And with Suarez, this is, he's on the edge all the time. It pays off. He scores goals. But you wonder how long can he play that game? Can Which he... kind of brings up a, a question, and we're going back to the fact that he was uh, he was shifted out of Liverpool. That the the type of contracts or non contracts that players have when they're playing in uh, in Europe, um, they can be basically dealt without any discussion. Is that the way it works as far as soccer is concerned? It's not like you know. Listen, I have a five year contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, we're going to sit down and negotiate where you end up. Um, in soccer, in professional soccer, in Europe, is it a situation, in my understanding, and maybe I'm absolutely wrong, is that when they want to get rid of you, they could put you wherever they want, uh, and you really have no say over it. I mean, is that the way it works? A club can sell your contract. However, there is a, a relationship between the two clubs and the agent of the player. So an agent of the player will make sure that if there is a selling situation, it will also lead to a renewed contract or a rewritten contract. Um, Because if there's a huge amount of money changing hands, then some of it should come to the player. And certainly some of it goes to the agent, which is why agents are forever talking about transfers um, it's not a situation in which players are saying, oh, poor me, my contract has yeah. been sold. It's usually, oh, rich me, my contract yeah. has been sold to someone who's going to pay me more money. And that's well, the point I'm trying to, I guess, I'm trying to, you know, certainly there is the money factor. And that's something that all the players and the agents and, uh, you know, are going to agree on. But still at the same time, it's not like it is in hockey here where, you know, a player gets an opportunity says, I really want to be traded to... Uh, Real Madrid, or, you know, I want to play there, and it's like, well, that's not the way it works. Um, and is that true to assume that? Like, can a, can, a player, can a player initiate that discussion and say, I want to go play for Barcelona, and um, can you work that out for me and see what you can do? Uh, yes, a, a player okay. can hand in his notice to his club saying, right. put me on the list, I'm now available, um, make a deal for me. Yes. What player in the World Cup has increased his value uh, the most? 
I'm, I'm, you're going to get tired of me mentioning Costa Rica. Brian Ruiz for Costa Rica plays in England, plays for Fulham. And with the um, great showing of Costa Rica, I would think that he's going to... Fulham has been um, relegated down to a lower level, so they're going to be very interested in, in, in selling him to a, to, a, to a bigger team because they, they need the money. He's the one that, that pops to mind. Um, Dirk Kout of the Netherlands has had a very good, um, a very good World Cup, but he's thirty years old. That's more in the. What eight. about the Colombian striker, Mexican goaltender? Whoa, oh, those are two um, good examples off the top of my head. I'm not sure of their clubs and their contract situations, but they. But one's be... going to be vastly improved. Certainly oh, from definitely, that, definitely. That's a whole new planet. Yes, yeah, yes. The German goalie's not bad either. He's oh, re- really they've good. always had that to their advantage, I think, that they really have produced some incredible net keepers in, in, in Germany. Not they produce them, but they, they certainly have that um, in their arsenal. And German players and Italian players seem to have something in common, and that is they don't often travel out of Germany and Italy. They, they, they're, they're not travelers, and they're not as much buyers as they used to be. Um, whereas the Spanish teams and the English teams of late have been the ones that will buy from everywhere. Yeah, no. And, and, and you know, we, it is World Cup Day. And just to remind everybody as well, it's a call-in show. The numbers are 416-360-0740 or in Ontario, 866-740-4740. Um, you know, going back, and, and today is World Cup Day. And, it's it, you know, for guys like us, especially you, Mark, this is, this is like Party Central Big party at Mark's house. Everybody who's listening is invited, by the way. Um, and, and, and please bring a pizza. Call Pizzaville yeah, no and, <laughs> and pick up a pizza and bring it over to Mark's place. We're, we're big a, fans of Pizzaville. Let's pick a game in the World Cup that, that uh, not necessarily, let's not look at things like Brazil getting hammered. Um, favorite game, just your favorite game, the one that you thought was like, I, I, I could watch that again. Even though I know the outcome of it, just to see what was what, what, what took place and, and, and you know pick a game, Mark. Which one do you think, and you're personally um, attached to, that you thought was like this makes World Cup worth watching? The Germany Ghana game, in which um, they Good were choice. they were nil nil at the half, and then Ghana put Germany in its place and had had a um, a two nil lead on them, and it was uh, it was crunch time for Germany, and Germany came storming back. And it's in the back of my mind trying to figure out what's going to happen this afternoon because yeah. which Germany are we going to see? The one that Ghana was able to exploit or the one that, that uh, rebounded? Yeah. I, you know, because I look at it from a standpoint is like, you know, you watch enough soccer. I do. I like it. And, you know, watching the Italians play, there's a style that they play. If they get a goal early, they're going to sit on it. They're going to play midfield. They're going to pass that ball. It's going to be kicked back more times. Um, into you know back to the goal and you know, it's just gonna they're gonna they're gonna sit on and the minute the minute that they get behind uh, that's where you see the desperate soccer where you see a lot of talent and a lot of skill a lot of a lot of potential offsides because of the aggressive nature of play they start putting more forwards they 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 they, they don't concern themselves as much with their defense in the midfield they try to keep that open and they just constantly push forward what's going to happen today how's germany going to come out well, how are they going to lay, how are they how are they going how many midfielders are they going to put how many strikers are they going to put out there and how are they going to start their defense like they they'll switch it around a number of times what are they going to do um, to combat and what i mean honestly what do we expect from argentina 
Is Argentina the last game against Netherlands? They're not scoring goals, it seems. Um, does Germany have to be concerned about that? Because Germany has awesome defense and everything going for them in that respect. What do you think is going to happen today? How do you think Germany is going to come out and start this game? I think Germany is going to come on strong. The question for Argentina is what kind of game is Lionel Messi going to have? Yes. Has he been playing possum for game after game and now finally is on the platform that he wants to be on. Um, I, I'm fond of Lionel Messi. Um, he is, to me, the anti-Maradona. He has been quoted as saying, when people debate who's the greatest soccer player on earth, yep. his response is, I'd rather be known as a nice person than the greatest player on earth. So, especially with, when, you know, when... when Maradona, of course, is still the man who haunts Argentina for those who uh, are not as fond of um, <laughs> the um, ego that can sometimes come with a great soccer player. And he was the coach of the uh, Argentine team four years ago. And there was a team that scored all sorts of goals early in the tournament, and then they just I forgot got about that. You've got to give Argentina credit, though. They, do, they are in the final. Whatever style they're playing, it's working. Yeah. And when Messi scored in that one nothing game against Iran, the Argentinian FA president said that the reason Argentina wasn't playing so well was because Maradona was in the stadium and he has cursed the team. <laughs> you and when, just and stole when, my next question. And, and when he left the stadium, then Messi could play his brilliant finish. It'll be interesting to see where is Maradona this afternoon. I think he'll be on the pitch. <laughs> I think he'll be. I think he'll, he'll be. be, in a, a he'll be chasing some. Senoritas in the local bar, I'm Jordan sure. Citas. Let's make sure. Uh, and remember, Maradona has a family connection. Sergio Aguero, who came on as a sub, his father-in-law is Maradona. So Sergio Aguero's son has uh, Maradona as a grandfather. Um, Maradona's still there. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to go to commercial break. We'll come back. We'll pick it up where we left off as far as soccer is concerned. We're going to go to Sean Clement, uh, our golf genius, and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. 
No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. Yeah, we're back. And again, uh, if you want to call in and have a discussion about anything that we've been talking about today, the numbers are 416 Three six zero zero seven four zero or eight six six seven four zero forty seven forty. Before we go to our buddy Sean Clement, uh, Naz is going to read off the winner of today's Pizzaville Rogers Cup tenth uh, caller challenge. Naz, Rogers Cup prize package: two bronze seats to the Rogers Cup tournament at the Rexall Center, York University. One complimentary reserve parking pass and a gift certificate from Pizzaville, $25. Total value, $250. And the winner is? Zach Grudzinski from Toronto was the 10th caller. Congratulations, Zach. You're a lucky man. And uh, thanks for calling in. And, Sean, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing, guys? Ah, Sean. Listen, you know what? Uh, Today's subject is close to my heart. Um you got to watch me golf one day, Sean, so you, you know, <laughs> we'll save the entertainment for last. Um, why I, you're going to be talking today about, you know, and it happens to everyone, uh, practice swing is miraculous. You get out there, you're on the driving range, and you're hitting the ball like a champion, and the minute that you put a green in front of you and a flag, the wheels come off. Can you, can you kind of help us out with that? Where yeah, we, how do we deal with that? Um, obviously, you know, fear and, and trying to do the, trying to hit the shot. Uh, yeah. When you're on the driving range, it's basically a, like playing tennis. You've got several opportunities to hit your good shot. Yeah. And, and you're really, you, you are carefree. Uh, and then when you get on the golf course, you're careful. That's one of the items. But the, the real thing that prevents an individual from repeating their practice swing is when they're making a practice swing, yeah. there's nothing to hit, and the brain goes into a different mode. It goes into, I am listening to the weight of my arms and club, and I'm allowing them to swing freely, and boy, does that feel great. Yeah. And the buddy standing beside you says, wow, man, if you could only put that practice swing on the golf ball, <laughs> you'd be a champ. Yeah. <laughs> then you go to the golf ball, yeah. and the brain focuses now on trying to meet the ball with the club. Yes. Uh, Winston Churchill was one quoted by saying, he was once quoted by saying, you gentlemen are playing a game with ill-fitted equipment. (laughs) And because he was told to hit the ball with the golf club, and that does not fit. But delivering an action to a target and collecting a dandelion stem on the way is, is the way to go about it. So 
there is definitely a way to, to focus when you're over the ball. So your eyes are looking at the ball, but your attention should be on the target where you want to go. Yeah. And then you want to match a feel with that. You say, okay, what did it feel like when I was swinging freely toward that target over there? And, and then, then you, you're conjuring up the right sensations to deliver your shot to that target. And that'll take your focus and attention off the ball, and then you'll start repeating your practice swings. Yeah, you know, Sean, like I say, you know, and, and it's always like that ball gets in the way of my greatest strokes ever. And, you know, I've had a funny situation. I think there is, there is a mental aspect to this entire process, Well, yeah, that's obviously. it. The, the ball is, is uh, literally mentally in your way. Yes. But uh, uh, when, when you're focusing properly, I mean, you know, the, pros, the pros demonstrate this uh, on yeah. the tour every day. It looks easy to them because they've they've actually found a way to to deliver through the golf ball and towards their targets. Because I've actually got in front of the ball one time. I remember I can't remember where I was golfing exactly. Uh, shot in front of me, not a difficult one. Second shot, decent off the tee, and I literally forgot everything. I, yeah. I, I had I, I stood back, I gulped, and thought, "What am I doing? Compl- I, 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 everything escaped me. Everything. I had yeah. no idea what to do." That's it. That's, you know, there's your short circuit. So yeah. you're, you're trying to repeat. You know, one of the things that people try to do, they hit a good shot and they say, what do I need to do to repeat that? Yep. Well, now you're going to your conscious mind and you're trying to find the position somewhere miraculously, which your brain's not wired to do. Yeah. And, and you're, you're digging yourself a big hole. Do you have anywhere that you can see this on any of your clips? Sean? Absolutely. Uh, the, 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 the one that I want you to look at is, uh, is called uh, Perfect Contact Every Time, Sean Clement. Perfect. So dial that into YouTube. Yep. And you want a nice analogy to go with that. Obviously, the, one, of the, one of the best analogies we've talked about in the show before is grass whip. You know, so if you haven't gotten your grass whip out yet, now's the time. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, we got, we still got some good season left. Oh, and by the way, before I forget, I keep forgetting sure. on every show. Uh, you remember we talked about that anti-inflammatory diet that Tiger Woods has used yes, to get yes. back into play? Well, Pizzaville makes the best gluten-free crust out there. Awesome, and it is good. It, it is, is amazing. And, and so if you want, you, know, you want a good anti-inflammatory meal at, at Pizzaville, you get the gluten-free, the sun-dried tomatoes, the olives, and the goat cheese. That's you are perfect, now Sean. on the payroll, Sean. <laughs> Sean, thanks that's, for calling in today. And uh, we'll get you back next week and uh, pick up where we left off, everybody. Um, go to Sean's, uh, go, to, go to YouTube, uh, click into Sean Clement, and uh, this guy's got eight bazillion hits. Um, and thanks again, Sean. Appreciate thanks, that. Thanks, Sean. And uh, let's get back to our discussion about how Argentina is going to destroy Germany this afternoon in the World Cup. Mark, come on. What do you think? I'm going to predict Germany, um, just so that Wally will have something to um, to gloat and chortle about down the road. Because um, I think I'm a curse to whichever team I choose, so I'm I'm choosing Germany to win. And again, we came back, and I think that we left off before we went to commercial discussing the fact and how Germany is going to come out. What do you think Argentina is going to do when they? Well, how are they going to approach this game? Is Messi going to come out and try to bang one in like right off the bat, or is he going to sit tight? And wait for an opportunity and just break the Germans' hearts and break them down slowly and then take, take control of the game uh, at the halfway point and put it away. How do you think it's going to turn out? Well, 
Argentina, if, if we take the pattern of them against the Netherlands, Argentina is going to be playing for the second half. They're, they're, they're not going to try much at the beginning. They're going to measure their opposition, whereas Germany just might think yeah. what worked against Brazil will work against Argentina. I'm thinking that the weather's going to have some impact here as well, and I think that the South American teams did, to, uh, to some people's uh, um, knowledge, have an advantage you know, based on the humidity factor, how that can impact. We saw a lot of late goals in this, uh, in this World Cup as a result of, of some of the European teams running out of gas and certainly cramping up. Uh, not getting their electrolytes. And, uh, you know, I think that maybe you have a point there with Argentina coming in the second half and, and, and throwing Germany away. But Germany is, I, I, you know what, I, yeah, I don't know. Naz, what do you think? Well, I picked Germany from the beginning. But Argentina is, Mark is correct. They've played that defensive style the yeah. whole tournament. With the exception of the one game, they won 3-2. That was an offensive game. But it didn't mean much. It, uh, they had already predicted, uh, they had already clinched going to the next round Argentina. So you don't think this is going to be like some you know scores are going to be go through through the roof. No, I don't think so. I think like I think too much at stake. Yeah, Argentina has been too successful through the tournament to change their style now. I do think Germany will pull through. I say 2-1 Germany. So a measure of caution going into this game, both teams are going to come out, they're going to feel each other out. Um who do you think uh, who who the starting striker is going to be for Germany? Do you think they're going to are they going to go well, out the off the back or <laughs> are they going to save him for the for the latter half of the game? Because like that kind of, I you know I watch Germany. I think you know depending on what they do and what the coach's decision is as far as who striker what strikers they put out there, um, that kind of that kind of uh, you know is a, is is a clue to the pattern of the type of game that they're going to play. I, I don't think we'll see Miroslav Klose. He's he has now um, he's got the record for most goals in in World Cups, yeah. um, and that was the record that he came came to Brazil to to get. But he's mid to late thirties, and I think he yeah I think he's going to be um, a, a bench player today. Really. Um, but I don't think it's the strikers. I think it's it Germany and Schweinsteiger. Is that's the key? If Schweinsteiger has a Schweinsteiger game, I do love saying Schweinsteiger. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> one more time before we use it. just say it one more time, Mark. Get it off your Schweinsteiger. There you go, perfect. You know when Wally comes back, and Arge- <laughs> if Argentina wins, we'll never hear the end of it. I'm sure. No, exactly. And you know, I'm just wondering, like, you will never hear the end of it if he's listening to this show. <laughs> the, the first thing he'll say to me is that I'm banned from saying Schweinsteiger. Exactly. See, and again, he gets it out there again. Anybody want to make a shout out to anybody out there today? I've got a couple of people that I just want to shout out. I got, uh, I got uh, Ms. Rob in, in the hammer. I've got, uh, I've got because I'm back. Listen, I got to take an opportunity to say hello to everybody I know. Okay, we got Mike Korskaden up and listeners up in Halliburton. Mike Korskaden and uh, Uncle Brian. If you're listening, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, Mark, who are you going to say hello to anybody? Um, anyone who's attending my World Cup party this afternoon party. And, and Section 220 at BMO Field. Yeah. And uh, Naz, anybody? Well, I'd like to say hi to all the listeners because uh, we've had some pretty good uh, reviews and ratings for our show. And thank yes, you, you know very what? much. As a matter of fact, and that was going to come off the top of the show, we had to take care of Mr. Diaz right off the bat. But again, thanks to the listeners because honestly, this show is doing gangbusters, and we appreciate the fact that you guys are tuning in. 
Um, hope that you're enjoying the show. And again, go to our website at nazanwali.ca. Uh, we have uh, we have a great blog there. We have our email addresses if you want to send us notes, ask us questions, etc., etc. Ad infinitum, and uh, we've pretty well predicted everything. We've solved all the soccer problems in the universe today. I think have we or have we not? I think that Schweinsteiger <laughs> again um, is the man. Oh, and, and by the way, my birthday's coming up, and I want stuff. Okay, I just had to throw that out there. Nas, final words? Any final words? That's it. They're waving at me. And uh, let's just shut the show down, and we'll see you all again next week. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.